So by all accounts, Billy Bob Thornton is kind of an ornery guy. <laughs> if we, what do you mean? He's grumpy? Well, bit. He's got a reputation for not like suffering fools, for lack of a better term. If we saw him in public and I wanted you to walk up to him and say, Mr. Bob Thornton, I'm a huge fan. I loved you in Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. How much do I have to pay you to do that? <laughs> I think I'd do it for free because I would love to dodge a Billy Bob Thornton punch. So you don't think this one's going to pop up in the highlight reel when he passes oh, away? You know? He must be so <laughs> embarrassed about being a part of this film. Oh, easy now. Come on. You need to work. Every actor's got to start somewhere. I guess so. But uh, he's like pretty long in the tooth as he's starring in this film. I don't know. I think he's one of those guys that just like just like always looked 40. He probably looked 40. He's like 22. <laughs> I'm serious. Is that a like a, a hair thing? A little bit of hair thing. I think his face in general, like, you know. He's a grizzled looking guy. He's a little grizzled. Yeah, okay. I don't mind that, though. I don't mind that. Either way. I mean, that uh, turns you on a little bit. <laughs> I, like a, I like a guy with some miles on him. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know that he's been through life so that he can take of you. Oh, my God. That's enough of this. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And today, we are talking about... Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. This was a request from a long time ago by Kelly Madden at Kelly Madden 80 on Twitter. She's the official bartender of the Drunk Theory podcast, which, if you enjoy conspiracy theories being discussed drunkenly, is definitely worth checking out. What? I didn't know this. I'm going to check out this podcast for sure. There you go. They talk about all kinds of things. Uh, and again, the beer is flowing. It's a good time, much like we try to have here. Uh, so I'm sorry this took so long, Kelly, but we had a hell of a time finding a beer that we could connect to this. This is a trauma release. Have you seen a lot of trauma movies, Noel? I don't think so. Toxic Avenger? No. No. That's the one that most people have seen. They basically release and distribute some movies they produce themselves, I think, but otherwise a lot of just like low budget, like schlocky kind of like exploitation with like comedy kind of mixed in. And I think this we're getting a little bit of here. All right. Uh, after watching this, I would not be opposed to searching for some other trauma kind of releases. I oh, dude, kind of- I we got to find a way to watch Toxic Avenger Part 2 because that is like kind of like the high watermark, I think, for trauma. Um, that's a classic for sure. So yeah, either way, we're in this today. I'm so excited. And we have finally found a beer that we're going to be able to match up with this. What is that beer, Dole? Oh, I am super excited. Not only do we have a zombie beer, it's called Zombie Surprise. It's a sour smoothie. Uh, it is banana, blueberry, vanilla, and cinnamon. Oh, The art on this is hilarious. It is a zombie hand coming out of a pie. It's kind of like breaking its way out there, and I think that's hilarious. But this is from our friends at Counterpart Brewing Company. They are this super open space that has great food and great beers. I love this brewery. It's at Niagara Falls, Ontario. They opened about three years ago, and they actually just had their third anniversary and released a whole bunch of really cool beers there. If you haven't had a chance to and you are in the Ontario or even in the sort of northern New York areas of the United States, head across across the border, border, man, Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah. head to Counterpart Brewery. It is worth a visit. Their beers are amazing. And I'm excited to try this one. They've had some other really good smoothie sours. I've never tried this one. though. Yeah, I've tried a bunch of theirs. A friend of mine lives pretty close to the brewery. He's made a few runs for me. Perfect connection for this. The Chopper Chicks, they get a zombie surprise when they roll into this town as we're about to talk about it. So I'm glad we were finally able to connect this. I'm looking forward to this too. Not a huge blueberry guy, but everything else involves, I'm down with. So what do you think the zombie surprise in here is? Is it the cinnamon? No, zombie is the name of their smoothie sour. The, the oh, surprise, I guess, right. is, the, is the cinnamon maybe. Yeah, so all of their smoothie sours are kind of a zombie. And yeah. this is the surprise from the different ingredients here. They've added a little something. I can't wait to give it a try. So why don't we crack it open and see what's there? Oh, God, fuck. Right in the eye. 
Right in the eye. I got zombies in my eye. And I'm wearing glasses. How is that even fucking possible? Great question. Good start, zombies. Good start. So we open with a title card that says, Life's a bitch, and then you die. Usually. Foreshadowing? Uh-oh. Zombies are coming. Yeah. This is followed immediately by the opening credits set over footage of about eight badass women riding motorcycles along a desert highway. And all I could think of is, wow, do they have big hair. You know it's the <laughs> 80s when. Come on. Yeah, we've got some giant teased uh, hairdos going on here. And the wind is really blowing through it as those badass babes are ripping down the street. We've got also a pretty awesome, like, kind of 80s intro song as well here that sort of enters them in. I'm trying to determine at this point if they created the music themselves. It almost seems like they have... Uh, because they don't sound quite good enough to be mainstream 80s songs. Yeah, I had never heard any of them before, for sure. Um, so it's very possible that what you're saying is true. This is the main gang of the movie, and their biker gang name is not the Chopper Chicks. What is their gang name? Well, they're called the Cycle Sluts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Cycle Sluts. Um, and it says right on the back of their jackets, it looks like spray paint or blood has been written on there. It says they got eight broads on their rags heading into town. Oh. <laughs> and you're already like, holy shit, this is where we're headed. They're coming in hot, man. And they end up stopping outside of the town of Zariah, population 128, although it quickly turns to 127. And they start bickering with each other, but the leader, rocks, reins them in. Okay, okay, put your collars on. You're the sluts. Try and act like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is weird. Um, I'm wondering if this was a common thing uh, at this point in the 80s where uh, there would be groups of women or even groups of men that just rode around like riding into town taking what they wanted. Biker gangs? You're asking if that was a thing? Well, I don't know. I know that there are biker gangs, but it just seems like a, a hilarious caricature of one, I guess, in many ways. Oh, yeah. They're definitely exaggerating this for movie effect here. Their plan at this point is to grab some food. They keep talking about getting some meat, which I assumed was a euphemism. But uh, before they do, one of them, Dee Dee, has a bad feeling about this town. A different member of the gang tells her there's nothing to worry about. They'll be out of there in about two hours. And if that isn't an invitation for trouble, I don't know what is. <laughs> we very quickly sense that Dee Dee knows this place, right? This is a place she doesn't want to come. Um, and I'm assuming it's because maybe she has a past here. Well, that's exactly what it is. I actually thought it was just the kind of, you know, every movie like this, some character has the premonition, like, I don't think we should go in there, and, you know, they get overruled, and it ends up being a disaster. I just thought that's all this was, but yes, we find out later on some real past here, and that's going to play a part in the yeah. trouble that happens. I was looking for the, like, crazy old homeless guy. That's usually the who prophetic. does that. Yeah, yeah, that's we need move, that guy, yeah. right? And the, that wasn't in this, but we did have that sort of, as you said, the number of lives changed on the... The sign for Zariah, which looks like it was handmade on Bristol board, by the way. It's like a chalkboard. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the number is, but the rest of it looked like it was sort oh, of yes, like yeah. created on Bristol board. But we have a, a little person who brings up a ladder and goes and wipes it off and, and changes it. The dwarf, you mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, no, no, no. In the past, you've gotten on me for this. He refers to himself as a dwarf. So you can't get mad at me for saying dwarf this time. Well, he corrects somebody in the movie who calls him a midget. Well, we all know midgets are acceptable. To dwarf. But dwarf, he says dwarf. And therefore, I'm going to honor his identity uh, and refer okay. to him as a dwarf. I'll use uh, little person. <laughs> classic Noel hedge here yeah um yes the population drops by one it turns out the town butcher has died and the local funeral director gives a eulogy that i would describe as 
Underwhelming. Um, yeah, underwhelming because we get a quick shot of seeing the body removed and the coffin being filled with sand. Well, and it's leaking as they go to lower yeah, it in. As so, they yeah. go to lower it, the grieving widow um, is there, and the mortician doesn't want her to see that sand is pouring out of her husband's coffin. So he cuts that eulogy short and, in fact, cuts ropes which drop the coffin sideways into the grave. Yeah, he's basically like, oh, the hell, let's get it over with. And just like, dumps the guy in there. I'm like, very, very accommodating. Because that was better right that was better than going through it but uh i guess it's better than getting caught with some corpses you know already that this mortician is up to some shady shit oh for sure now he catches a look at the cycle slots as they ride by and we see them enter the town diner where they are greeted with some very confused looks we then cut to a different type of cycle as we see a little kid walking his bike up to what looks like a boarded up mine shaft which has some disturbing growling noises coming from inside this is a fucking weird cut one why is this kid riding his bike alone on the side of the highway? And two, why does he approach all of these weird growling sounds? He enters this mine to see it's like a modern door with a lock on it that's unlocked. He also sees a security camera and he goes up to this locked door and takes the lock off, opens the door and asks for his daddy? Well, yeah, he hears these mysterious growling voices and uh, naturally assumes his dad must be the one making them. <laughs> this is so fucked up. It's just so ridiculous that this child goes into this mine alone, looking for his father, enters the door, asks for daddy, and then what do we find? Oh, he's immediately killed. He's killed right away. But okay, the the lock on the door, the door's got like a, like a deadbolt kind of thing and it's locked, but the lock is open. Someone yeah. has not remembered to lock this mine and yeah why this fucking kid thinks his dad is there i don't know this must be a devastating loss for the town because i had this kid pegged as a future neurosurgeon for sure i mean they just lost one doctor when you got 127 people losing one is important this kid could have been your mayor he could have been your police officer i'm telling you you don't think rocket scientist neurosurgeon with all the brain cells this kid's flashing (laughs) yeah he clearly showed he had the aptitude for life that's best best and brightest yeah i guess maybe it's not a big loss if this kid is too stupid (laughs) to think his father is a groaning zombie in a mine shaft then like the world was better for it he's the town slow kid (laughs) Well, you can't say that. You can't say slow kid? I don't Come know. On. Maybe you can. But I don't know. All right. Towns don't have slow kids, do they? Well, this town does. Yeah. And I will not anymore, I guess. Yeah. As if things couldn't get any more ominous, we see that a bus carrying blind orphans is broken down on the side of the road by the what mine the shaft. What the fuck? <laughs> you can't, what the you can't, absolute You fuck. can't make this stuff up. You can't you write this shit. Yeah. They're getting a little ornery, so the bus driver puts them in their place by making a joke about how they don't have parents. And you know what? I'll be honest. I feel like that blind kid kind of deserved it. Like, <laughs> no, seriously. Like, help, helping or hurting. Helping or hurting, kid. Come on. I mean, the fact that a bus full of blind orphans That's breaks great. down near I pop, a I mine, as soon as I saw mine shaft full right of zombies that have been left yeah. open now because a random child was looking for his father in a mine shaft. This is the point where I was all in on this movie. I was like, <laughs> fuck yes. That's it. That got me right there. They I was me. laughing my ass off. I also thought it was hilarious that the like guy managing all of the blind people had an Uzi strapped to his well, bus. Well, we'll get to that later. Don't, but they don't comment on it. Yet. They comment on it. The, the kid who's giving him all the flack like, makes a joke about him having that Uzi, right? He like pokes fun at him. Listen, if you're if you're teaching and steering blind orphans through various school bus related adventures, you need to have a semi-automatic weapon with you. Anything you, could you happen. You never know what's going to happen. No. Um, the kids describe themselves as bump readers that they, they just go into some. Yeah, well, yeah. the one yeah. kid's got a very self-deprecating view on uh, being a blind orphan for sure. Absolutely. Um, 
Now, just a moment later, the door in the mineshaft gets knocked off its hinges and out stumbles a parade of zombies, many of whom are dressed in business wear. It's like a zombie insurance salesman convention in there. There are lots of people in formal wear. As we come to find out, it's just the way that the people in this town dress, right? And these are members of our town. It's at this point where I'm like, is this a horror movie? Is it a science fiction movie? What's happening Is it a comedy? Well, absolutely. The comedy is here because once the zombie feet start shuffling, we get a soundtrack. And it is this weird, like, circus laughing music kind of fucked up thing. That's a great way of describing it. I described it later on as, like, Seven Dwarves music. Like, you know in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves when the dwarves are walking along, like, whistle while you work kind of, it sounds kind of like that. It does, but it always starts with this creepy laugh, and it's someone with an accented voice, like, does a little bit of talking and then goes into a song. Yeah, almost like Killer Clowns adjacent. I agree. It does seem like that. It's funny because... The tone here is strange because the zombies are supposed to be scary, but they've intentionally chosen a song that adds some like... Well, now, hang on. Are the zombies supposed to be scary? Because we'll we'll mention this later. There's like zero makeup on them. They're just like ordinary humans. They're just people who are walking and making sounds. Shuffling along. A little bit of face makeup, maybe. I mean, they did kill that kid, so that's something, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't... I, I am struggling with trying to determine what the genre of this film is at this point. You will get no help as we go along here, for sure. <laughs> Luckily, the salty bus driver has gotten the bus fixed, and they narrowly avoid disaster. One of the sluts, Lucille, isn't as lucky, though, as after leaving the diner and speeding off to go get some meat, which I guess was a euphemism after all, she gets hit by the funeral director's car. Now, this guy clearly isn't on the level, as we already know, as instead of reporting this to the authorities, he takes her back to his funeral parlor and just starts embalming her. He also gets into a hilarious scuffle with Bob, the dwarf we saw earlier, and he puts him in a tiny coffin and tries to drown him. (laughs) This escalated so quickly. This whole series is fucked. The biker, when he hits her with his car, he actually just pulls out in front of her, so she crashes into him. She's not dead there. He takes a club and hits her on the head with it before dragging her off. He's clearly out for more bodies. He's looking for meat. He's trying to create his own zombie army. It's not clear why at this point or what's happening, but he is clearly like trying to fuck with science. We get some weird shots of him soon um, and also throughout talking about how people aren't going to understand him in history. He's going to be like seen as a monster, even though he is just out for like the pursuit of information kind of thing. Yeah, this happens right after the scene where he tosses Bob's tiny coffin in a well. Uh, Bob's okay. He walks back into the funeral parlor right as that mortician is giving us some totally organic backstory, what you're referring to here about how he left the U.S. government because they wouldn't let him do his experiments. He's just casually saying that to these dead corpses, like just talking to himself. Yeah. That's handy. It's weird. Uh, we also get the background on Bob. We know Bob is helping him with these sort of processor murders. Um, and we're going to get Bob's motivation later on in the movie. You're right, we do. And uh, Bob gets some orders right now, actually, after showing contrition, saying... I've been a bad boy. <laughs> Which is a weird thing. That was fucked. He's clearly yeah. been trained to say that, right? Like, that's something that he's been taught. Well, yeah, and then the mortician makes him repeat the Bob motto, which is really just dwarf shaming. If God wanted him to do normal stuff, he would have made him normal? Like, yeah. that's just straight-up sizeism. What the fuck? If a yeah. Little people must have been upset by the plot of this movie. I guess so, but Bob has a mission now. He's got to get the rest of those motorcycle whores dead and in the mine by tomorrow. 
Those are the words of the mortician. And while this is all going on, we're kind of getting counter shots of those bikers themselves. And somehow they've managed to go and find every mechanic in town to f*** them. Yeah, they got, <laughs> yeah the other cycle spots. I guess they're all out looking for meat because alleged leader rocks is riding around town by herself. She can't find anybody. And I was like, what did they do? Wait till she went to the can. They all run out of the diner. Absolutely. Pretty much. I guess it seems same, so. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it's interesting because... They've made Roxy, the leader, clearly be a lesbian. The rest of the women she has there, she's trying to control, but they all need a bit of hog to ride on once in a while. <laughs> they do. As you mentioned, a couple of them are making nice with some local mechanics. Dee Dee has a rendezvous with her ex-husband, none other than Billy Bob Thornton. But my favorite one of all of these is the one chopper chick who calls her son on a payphone. We gathered that she abandoned him to live the nomadic life of a biker. And the kid's clearly working through some stuff. He says to her, Mommy, what's a bulldog? Daddy says. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down too and laughed. And when she leaves that call with him, she tells him to ask his dad what impotent means. And so <laughs> yeah. you know kind of what's pushed her on the road. Daddy was not able to ride hard. I guess so. Um, and so it, it's pretty rough though, right? It seems a little bit sad. It's at this time too, we're sort of flashing between them. I'm starting to ask myself who the scientist guy is, the mortician guy. I would be interested to see if this guy's been in other stuff because he has a very recognizable face, but it might just be one of those faces of, sort of villains or scientists in mass movies. He's made for this role, for sure. Oh, he goodness. fits it to a T. Yeah, he does a good job. Yeah. Now, after a brief zombie update, they're wandering around outside. We get, like, a musical scene from Rox, who walks into a fairly straight-looking bar and fires at the jukebox. It's apparently loaded with karaoke versions because the only voice we hear is hers as she belts out lyrics about doing what your big mama told you. Uh, it's not a bad song, but considering that there's a funeral happening in the bar... Maybe not super appropriate. Yeah, it's really fucked up, right? Wait, which part? The bar funeral or her karaoke rendition of I mean, Your Mama Told You? The wake to me seems like something that could happen. Like, I feel like that was a part of kind of rural towns, right? Like, when you want to celebrate someone's life, you would take the coffin off to the bar and everyone would get drunk and pay their last respects. That seems normal to me. Her turning off the funeral music to put on this weird rendition of Do What Your Mama Told You. While, I have to assume that's the name of the song. Right? I've never heard yeah, song I've yet. never heard it before. While wearing uh, like this. She's got the Joan Jet all leather. Just, yeah. yeah, and she's got the top that's like conveniently cut all the way down. It's pretty interesting. She is definitely going through some stuff here. Well, yeah. Now, this all sets the tone for what I'm going to call the meat montage. It's most of the chopper chicks boning down with random dudes, including Billy Bob with his ex-wife. The highlight, though, is JoJo, a particularly militant-looking member of the gang, kicking over a guy's coffee table and saying, you don't want TV, you want coitus. And then just mounting him. <laughs> this is like some random dude who uh, lives with his mom. How and why did she end up here? She's going door to door. This is amazing. Um, I mean, you know how big a fan I am of montages. And this is yes. got to be one of the first f montages we've ever had <laughs> on <that laughs> podcast. Yeah. I laughed. I liked it a lot. Um, Billy Bob's sex scene, though, uh, brought back bad memories for me of Tap Monster's it. Ball. Yeah, well, he doesn't have very oh, much Oh, he's going not on nearly as enthusiastic in this as he was in Monsters Ball. This reminded me of the sex scene in Coffee where, like, that uh, politician <laughs> is just, like, laying on her and not much is happening. That's just what this couldn't was. couldn't do anything to please her. Yeah. But you're right. That JoJo scene is hilarious. Oh, it's fucking great. Yeah, he must be, like, an early adult guy. Yeah, glasses. living home. Minding his own business. And in walks some hot biker lady who just, like, kicks over the thing, turns the TV off. Just and rides the shit, shit yeah. out of him. What on uh, earth? Right after this montage, his mom comes in, though... And sees him kind of like icing his c 
He's already been like banged so hard that he's laying on the couch, and she's not at all upset. What is she? She's thrilled. Yeah. She's like, maybe you'll finally move out. She's so <laughs> bored with this. That's great. The whole storyline of that nurse lady and wanting her son to yeah. get it out of the house is pretty hilarious. I think our moms can probably relate to that. <laughs> it was definitely a time where I was living at home. And I was like, I wish some lady would come along and fucking get this dude out of here. So yeah, just just Cooper till his needs <laughs> icing and get him out of this house. Yeah, lure him out of the house, the pussy, and that way I can have the house to myself. Uh, now. One of the cycle slots, TC, seems like she might actually be finding something special here as she sweetly flirts with a friendly local while they spray paint Cycle Slots Tour of the Americas 88 outside the shop. And they make a date to listen to some records later. I like her. Yeah, it's interesting. She um, she kind of outlines the MO for the sluts, and their goal is to ride around looking for people who need an out from that town they're stuck in. She also talks about her wanting to be a producer of music, someone who helps sort of put together records. Oh, she loves music. Yeah, wants to be part of that world. I guess she used to be a roadie, um, and that's uh, where it Slash groupie, as they talk about Yeah, later. they give her a hard time later, tell her that she just f***s everyone in the band, and that's how they, they pulled her out of that lifestyle. But yeah, you kind of get... She has the most kind of like likable 80s girl sensibility. Oh my God, she's so sweet, really. I really do like her a lot. He luckily, luckily he offers to have sex with her in a back room. Well, yeah, she asked if they have back room and he's like, yes, we do. As a matter of fact, we do. Because we had seen Bob hiding in a garbage can planning to murder her if they hadn't gone in. Bob almost gets the drop on all these girls at one point, but he just can't pull the trigger. Bob turns out to be a pretty decent guy in the end. Spoiler alert. Yep. Back at this kind of straight bar where the funeral is happening, Rox is getting drunk and wistful about the pressures of leadership. She's considering stepping down and handing the reins over to Dee Dee, but she isn't sure she's ready to lead. This was surprisingly poignant. Did this lady think she was in a serious movie? Like, what is this? The Roxy character is weird. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't feel like it fits a part of this. I guess they thought they had to Well, have... this scene, she's really acting. Yeah, but even in general, everyone else is kind of comedic or jokey. They're f***ing all kinds of people. And yet she's going through this, like, very difficult time where she's deciding whether she wants to be the leader of this, like, group of women or not and deciding, like, whether the world is for her. Yeah, the time might have passed her by, it seems like. Overall, they've had a pretty good day, but things are starting to boil over in this town. The local sheriff is going to run them off, but the funeral director stops him. He still wants their bodies. And back in that bar, one of the insulted patrons gets rough with the other one of the cycle sluts who's there. He calls her a d***, which prompts Rox to break a bottle and tell him, The lady can't talk, fuck face. And for the record, I'm the d***. me. So forget what I said earlier about her performance. Sunrise, sunset. We got, we're <laughs> all over true. here. That's true. She gets a bit aggressive here. Um, and <laughs> it's still kind of trying to be the dramatic one, even if it is a bit ridiculous. It's The guy gets really rough with the other woman. He starts choking her and telling her that she's like really disrespecting this funeral. And this is about to boil over, right? We're about to get a pretty big fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, eventually, someone pulls a shotgun on them outside of the bar, complaining about them rolling into the town and having sex with people. And it gets <laughs> revealed. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, he goes on a whole diatribe, and I love how he, he talks about how he can smell sex. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this is a dry town, in yeah. all manners of speaking. Yeah. Anyway, it gets revealed to the other sluts that Billy Bob Thornton is uh, Dee Dee's maybe not ex-husband. Rox doesn't like that and tells Dee Dee to choose the gang or her husband and she chooses Billy Bob. So Rox tells her if she ever sees her again, she's dead. And the cycle sluts right off. Movie over. You're right. The movie's over. We're done. <laughs> yeah, that's all it was, right? Uh, no, not really, of course. 
Outside of town, the remaining sluts discuss their next move. Some of them want to return to town for various reasons. TC left her bike there and she wants it back. JoJo wants revenge for getting run off. But some of the others think they should just get a move on. Also getting a move on, the zombies who keep stumbling around to that Seven Dwarves music. (laughs) These intermittent shots of the zombies approaching town are funny. They're telling you they're approaching town because they keep showing the distance from the zombies to the town. Apparently, there's a sign every mile as you approach this town. (laughs) (laughs) They blew the town budget on signs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for for a solid 40 miles coming into this town, they have a sign (laughs) that says Zariah. Zariah 39, Zariah 38. It's Zariah 37. I'm pretty yeah. positive. But it's, yeah, you get that funny noise. This is, it's always conflictual. I, I think it's a funny way to build tension. In some ways, having the comedic sound adds to a bit of stress. I think a lot of people are anxious when they hear like circus sounds. Oh, and people I, are scared of clowns, but I don't I, know, dude. To me, this this killed all tension. You think like, it was pure no, comedy yes, for you? This took me right out of the threat of an actual zombie attack. This was the scene for me where it really jumped out that these zombies have no makeup whatsoever, which like (laughs) surprised and also kind of upset me at the same time. You're like, come on, why didn't you put some effort into this? Yeah, like they explain explain why later, but I can't help it. I think zombies, and I picture like you know, you want rotting flesh, more rotten, more yeah. And I mean, we've had a lot of the zombie genre over the last twenty five years. Oh, it's very popular, yeah, right. And so we've seen all kinds of effects and makeup and decisions around zombies. So. Having the absurdly slow moving and like unmakeup zombies is one that wouldn't fit, I think, with a lot of modern trends around the genre. No, I agree. Um, from here, we get a scene between Billy Bob Thornton and Dee Dee. She's still wrapping her head around whatever this relationship is and suggests that he find some local women to bone instead. One small problem, though, literally every name she suggests is dead. She correctly recognizes this as odd, but he chalks it up to the town having a run of bad luck. Now, I'm no doctor, but that seems like really bad luck. (laughs) Yeah, they say since the mine closed, there's been a real streak of bad luck around here. She names like 20 people and they're all dead. Yeah, they've all died. Uh, Billy Bob just needs Dee Dee to stay and be with him. He even tells her that he loves her. Yeah, but she knees him in the d*** and drives away. (laughs) So that didn't work out. Yeah, I laughed pretty hard when that happened. Oh, understandably. Now, while driving, she spots Lucille's motorcycle and upon closer inspection notices blood on the handlebars. She starts poking around the funeral parlor, accompanied by Billy Bob Thornton, who followed her in order to provide a low-grade jump scare, and finds two bodies, Lucille and the butcher, who was supposed to have been buried outside the church. We know he wasn't, of course, but before Billy Bob can suss this out, the funeral director appears, which startles them almost as much as the two bodies coming back to life does. Yeah, we've got zombies coming back to life here. Her friend is now a zombie along with the butcher, and they're sort of trapped here in this mortuary with the zombies and our sort of evil doctor guy. Yeah, and he pulls a gun on them and shoots Billy Bob Thornton, R.I.P., but Dee Dee escapes by pulling off an action hero dive out the window. <laughs> Yeah, this is pretty awesome. The the action hero dive. They were locked sort of together for a little bit before they got a chance to escape. But yeah, it's pretty good. So Dee Dee's about to escape, but little Bob is waiting by her bike to get the drop on her. He brings her back inside where she sees zombie Lucille bleep, the zombie butcher. Is that what I saw here? Yeah, this is the first time in the movie that we see Lucille... As a zombie, fillet somebody, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's not the last, though. <laughs> no. There are a lot of zombie blobs in this. Uh, <laughs> we also see here how these zombies are being created. The funeral director inserts some kind of batteries into their heads. 
This sounds like sound science to me. Very logical. He basically drills a hole into their brain and drops in some metallic looking thing, right? And he describes it as a battery. We get a little bit more background. He says he's not doing it for science, though. It's just who he is. I don't know. He goes on this weird diatribe. (laughs) It's just just who I am. So they've got Dee Dee trapped in a freezer now, but she gets creative. She props up Billy Bob Thornton's lifeless corpse and lures zombie Lucille back by convincing her he's got some meat for her. When Lucille opens the door, she manages to get out, take down the funeral director, and trap him in the freezer, where he also gets a zombie blob from Lucille while little Bob listens and jacks off. <laughs> I'm only making up the last part of that. I'm only making up the last part. The rest is true. Yeah. Um... We're now within a span of like five minutes. Have our second zombie. They're coming fast and furious here. Oh boy, he's coming. (laughs) Exciting news. The zombies have made it to the outskirts of town. Less exciting news. The first house they reach has an extremely young baby. You know, as opposed to one of those old babies. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're up in the stakes here, right? For the audience, they're like, here are all the zombies and here's a house with a baby. But again, normally I'd be concerned about this, but with the playful tone the director is giving the zombies in this movie, there's no way they're going to kill that baby. You think? I don't know. We've seen other movies where they take down small children or babies, right? No, the tone, there's the transition from that playful tone to them killing the baby would be way too jarring. It's not going to happen. And it doesn't. Spoiler alert. Things aren't going great for the cycle slats. There's a lot of arguing and fighting and some hard truths being thrown around as they continue to debate their next move. Dee Dee returns with a warning, but Rox doesn't want to hear it. And they have it out in a combination knife-whip fight that is pretty incredible. Just a mess of leather and denim and big hair. Get some! Well, man, that's good shit. I just about spit my beer all over it. Yeah. Um, It is hilarious. When she pulls out the whip and the other one pulled out the knife, I was like... If they don't both end up topless here, there's there was a mistake made in filming. They don't though. I don't think there's any nudity. There's in this none. Movie. This is yeah. a criticism I have that we'll talk later when we give our rankings. But okay. that's a that's a big missed opportunity for me. right yeah. here. Yeah. Well, while this is going on, we also get some action from the family with the baby. There's a knock on the door, and when the old man patriarch guy opens it up, he can't believe his eyes. It's his dead son. His joy is short-lived, though, as zombies start breaking into the windows and doors and quickly kill him and what I guess was his other son. Uh, his daughter, though, is not going down without a fight as she lights, like, a torch, I guess, and uses it to knock her own mother's head off. Yeah, this is pretty hilarious. She, like, welcomes her back and then just straight, like, bitch slaps her and knocks her head off. All of this chaos leads to some kind of explosion, and now the house is on fire with the baby trapped inside. Luckily, it turns out that this whole time, the house is directly beside where the cycle sluts were arguing. And so now they spring into action. Two of them race up the stairs, fight off some zombies, and way too casually toss the baby out the window. <laughs> there was very little warning before this baby toss. She just chucks that baby, and of course, one of the other sluts is ready to pick her up. Um, I think it was funny that they were fighting, having that sort of uh, cat fight the whole time that that family was getting eaten. Like right next door. Yeah, I had it was no just, idea they yeah. were next door to this house. At this point, there's also this huge guitar soundtrack in the background as all this is happening. And I I, I noted that because I thought it was pretty hilarious. So they save this baby, but then a large posse comes out of town. And what's happening here? Yeah, this is how they're rewarded for this good deed by having a bunch of local yokels roll up and yell, get those whores. The the locals are going to string them up. Yeah. Yeah. They're hoping to like kill them 
I guess they're blaming them for what's happening at this burning house too. Their sexuality has caused this outbreak of yes, yeah, I think so. Battery zombies. <laughs> I don't know. They want to string them up. They don't have any ropes. They go check the shed and find some zombies inside, which leads to a hilarious slap fight after the ringleader shoots one of them. And this allows the sluts to once again escape. I guess like this is like that dead husband of one of the ladies who's there and they get into it a little. Yeah, it's funny, but also like you knew this was coming. We saw the zombies head in there before. Uh, we actually get quite a good shot of the burning house fall over. Yeah, it's pretty decent effects, actually, for what this budget was. Yeah. Like, to me, that had to be a real burning of that building falling down. Like, it was yeah, very they probably realistic. built just an exterior of a building, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They built the exterior and then the structure, and then you see it fall. But I actually thought that that was well-placed in that scene. It was one of the better effects that was in here. No, I would agree with that. Uh, hey, remember that bus full of blind orphans from earlier? Well, I guess it broke down again, and I guess they locked the teachers out as a goof, and I guess some of the zombies found them and killed the teachers, and now all those blind orphans are trapped inside the bus. And I'm like, enough with the cliches already. It's such a tired old concept. (laughs) (laughs) You're loving this, but luckily for these blind orphans, the sluts are out at night, and they're on the move. Yeah, that they are going to ride into the rescue, but before then, it's looking a little grim. And that one kid who was complaining earlier laments their current position with this line. Blind, no parents, and now this. <laughs> but but <laughs> he feels his way to that Uzi, though. Don't worry. Well, I was going to say, luckily, yeah. the, the teacher's left his Uzi in the car. We mentioned that earlier. And despite being blind, the loudmouth kid grabs it and kills several zombies. And they said there was no God. <laughs> <laughs> this scene's pretty hilarious. It's incredible. He doesn't miss a shot either. He's just straight direct hitting all these zombies. Oh, my God. He's blind. unbelievable. I think this is a daredevil kind of thing, right? Like, if you don't have your sight, all your other senses must be heightened. And yeah, you so can hear them. And he knows, he knows where they are. exactly yeah. where they are, so he's taking them down. Oh, man, yeah, good stuff. But there's still some more out there. So when the cyclist sluts stumble upon this bus, at least one of them, Jewel, the mom from the payphone earlier, feels compelled to intervene. She does, but she quickly catches a zombie hop-on and goes into an uncontrolled slide with her bike crashing under the bus and exploding. And you thought that window jump from earlier was going to be the big special effect for this movie. (laughs) It was pretty... I I was actually slightly startled that she went down that quickly and was gone. I thought she was going to ride in there and be a hero, but she's she's done. Well, you're going to get hop-ons. Come on. Her and that zombie are are both dead now, and we've got a flame uh, sort of erupting underneath this bus. Time is running out for these orphans. Both zombies and fire are their nemesis. It's true, but luckily the other sluts are there and some of them lure the zombies away while TC and another one go and grab the kids. And how does DT get them all out of there? In the funeral home's hearse, which little Bob just happens to roll up in at that exact moment. Now, how the hell was he driving this thing? <laughs> it's one of those situations where little Bob is standing on the pedals. He's not sitting at all. You can't see over the steering wheel. Yeah, we well, see him like rise up above the wheel. How is he fucking steering yeah, this? Yeah, he's on. on his tippy toes trying to make this work and he gets on that hearse over toes. there. Jesus Christ. Uh, um... <laughs> it's interesting he's had a change of heart right he's like fuck this other guy's all trapped now i don't want to do this anymore i'm gonna help these motorcycle chicks out and we're gonna save these orphans well that's what they do they get out of there in the hearse they've got some questions and little bob has the answers he very quickly and very shittily explains this is all the funeral director's fault he showed up in town a few years ago because he heard about some radioactive material that was left over in the mine after underground nuclear tests and wanted to sell it and or use it for his experiments but he couldn't have live people carried out of there, so he found a way to reanimate dead people. Of course, he had to kill them first, which Bob admits he had a large role in. But why, Bob? Why? Well, and Bob answers, 
The uh, the person promised him that he could make him normal. Yeah, he's going to make him tall. He could grow him, right? And yeah. just like other movies we've watched where being short tends to be something that puts people into a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, now I feel a little bad for all the midget comments earlier. I mean, um, that you should. No. There's a big moment here, though, where the dwarf, the blind orphans, and the chopper chicks realize that deep down we're all the same. So unlike showgirls, no confusion about the message that this movie's trying to send. We're all people, Noel. We're all people. That's right. Um, we're going to have a bit of a showdown here with some zombies. Well, yeah. I mean, Rox doesn't share the same sense of unity with the other ones as she continues to try to get the cycle sluts to leave the town's residence to clean up their own mess. In fact, as soon as those zombies reappear, she rides off. The locals, meanwhile, have a whole mess of guns, but they can't bring themselves to shoot the zombies, what with them being their deceased friends and family members and all. So I guess it's up to the sluts. Yeah, this is where I'm like, man, this zombie makeup is garbage. It's non-existent. It doesn't exist. I'm also like, townspeople won't kill them. What the fuck? Like, if I I like you a whole lot, but if you were a zombie trying to eat my brains, I would remove your head from your body in an instant. I would expect nothing less. Yes, and I assume you'd do the same to me. Yeah, Yeah. and I'd eat those brains, for the record. So you're right to do it. You would eat zombie brains? Your brains. If you were not a zombie... If you didn't kill me by taking my head off, I'm coming for those brains, Noel. But you're Dirty. not a zombie. Oh, sorry, sorry. If, if I'm a, I zombie, were a zombie, Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. You're going to eat your yeah, brains yeah. as a normal human. Well, that's what it made it sound Unless. like. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, luckily, uh, in addition to the chopper chicks and their righteous crusade against these zombies, they might have a bit of help from a certain dwarf and a bunch of blind kids. Speaking of help, rocks could sure use some, as some of those zombies get the drop on her on her way out of town. Luckily for her, Dee Dee refused to give up on their friendship, riding to a rescue with a grenade and Rox's trusted whip. So, Rox is on board now, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> nope. She still writes them off as a bunch of miserable failures and rides off, so that scene was a waste. 82 minutes. I know we're going to get through the whole thing without any padding, that's for sure. <laughs> so, now we're getting the big uh, sort of showdown, sluts versus zombies. Yeah, everyone's in place. I guess it's time to kind of end this thing. Little Bob tells Dee Dee how to stop the zombies. They've got to separate the batteries from their heads by separating the heads from the bodies. And we know what sluts are good at, and that's taking care of head. Oh, come on, man. Did you write that down? Yeah. Is that a pre- <laughs> <laughs> You're stealing my bit. Bullshit. Uh, sure enough, the sluts use all kinds of things to take the heads off. Baseball bats, garrot wires, guns, a blowtorch. They even chainsaw one of the zombies in the d- for good measure. I mean, I won't kill him, but it's got to feel good on some level. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> I mean, chainsaws are always a good idea against zombies. Why it wasn't used against their neck is a questionable decision, but you're right. For the other head, yeah. A good d- destruction is always a hilarious thing in a movie. Oh, yeah. So this is going pretty well for the motorcycle women, but then who shows up with a bunch of guns? Yeah, despite being run over by little Bob a few minutes ago, it turns out the funeral director slash mad scientist is still alive. And he tries to rally the zombies by bringing them a wheelbarrow full of guns. The sluts have no choice but to retreat. But just then, they get their own reinforcements in the form of rocks. She's back. Because as she puts it, I am way too old and way too lazy to start over again. <laughs> the sentiment's there. The yeah, sentiment's it, there. It's pretty good. She shows up and somehow she also has a magical fireworks box. She lights off a whole fucking box of fireworks and makes a huge power entrance, slow motion walking towards the zombies in front of just a wall of fireworks explosions. And based on what we know about her, the way she's represented herself, we knew her box was going to be fire. God damn, man. You are just... How much, how much material did you write down there's no material oh you're so full of shit uh 
<laughs> with this late contribution from rocks, the sluts think they've won. And they even utter the classic, oh, that was easy. Like you do one of those things. Ugh. Only to have dozens more zombies stagger around the corner. The funeral director is up on the roof of a building directing traffic. And clearly the sluts are going to have to get a bit more creative if they want to make it out of here alive. So I know what they're going to do. They decide... What's the best way to blow up all these zombies? Get them in one place. Let's fucking blow up the church. Yeah, well, conveniently, right then, the church bells ring. And they also happen to stumble upon a whole mess of dynamite. So this is all coming together. Now, I admit, blowing up the church is a controversial decision. But if it makes you feel any better, they're going to use the blind orphans as bait. So (laughs) nothing to worry about. So everything's cool here. They need to lure the zombies over to that church. The bell helps a little bit, but what do they decide to do? Oh, they grab a bunch of meat from the butcher shop. Yeah, and they're dragging it along. But they also have a creepy ice cream truck. Which I believe is also dragging meat, isn't it? Or am I imagining I think you're right, but I was like, is this one of the first moments of creepy ice cream truck? What I do know is this all works. Uh, Despite the funeral director trying to stop them and catching a bullet in the leg for his troubles, the zombies end up wandering into the church to the sweet sounds of blind orphans singing Oh Holy Night. (laughs) It's no Neil Diamond version, but it's pretty solid. Oh my God. I thought it was hilarious that this was the song they chose. They're going straight with Oh Holy Night. And it's working. The meat and the orphans are definitely bringing these zombies into the church. Oh yeah, they're almost home free. They even see the funeral director get killed by his own zombies finally. But Dee Dee and the loudmouth blind kid are still stuck inside the church. Not only that, but they're out of bullets. They're going to need something truly spectacular to get out of a jam like this. And they get it when Dee Dee breaks a mug on one of the zombies' heads, which apparently distracts them all. What the fuck was this? Well, I mean, the mug helped the escape, but it wouldn't have happened without our third or fourth appearance of our friendly blind giving <laughs> zombie yeah i did like a zombie lucille pops up to give one last zombie before getting blown up that lady really loves but she needed she, to she, she was the one who's like got her friend out of there it almost felt like zombie lucille was still like aware enough to save her friend in that moment she was like i know what helps and it is and she drops to her knees and it it allowed them to escape that church it got the blind orphan and lucille out of there before it went Boom. This movie has brought many things into my life. One thing I never thought I would see was a zombie blowing another zombie. And so thank you for that. (laughs) Trauma releases. I really appreciate it. Uh, So this is all over now. The town is saved. The next day, the Psycho Sluts officially initiate Little Bob and the blind kids into the gang by giving them a beer shower and some custom denim vests. They also pick up a couple of extra passengers as TC's guy decides to follow her on her adventures. And the guy who was living with his mom earlier hops on with Jojo after his mom nudges him to go. That's great shit. I really enjoyed that. I love that. That yeah. little piece too. The The gang is growing. It's not only women anymore, but that doesn't matter. We've got some more uh, sluts to join the crew. And I love that that guy's there. And he is there like, he was a little nervous, but he's so happy to be there. And Jojo is so happy to have him. Apparently he was a good uh, pull. Guess so. Well, he doesn't want TV. He wants coitus. They also promised to blow up the mine, so it's a real happy ending. And we're into the credits before the 80-minute mark. I don't know, dude. That's a little short for me. Oh, uh, I don't know. I wasn't unhappy. I, I enjoyed the ride. Um, we get a, a thumbs up and a guitar solo, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, 
But on the way out, we get a couple shots of a couple people who leave this open for us. Yeah, we know for a fact there's still a couple zombies out there. There's the sheriff who was also uh, TC's boyfriend's father. Mm -hmm. Uh, He stuck a hat on him in an earlier scene and told him that if he didn't eat anybody, maybe nobody would notice. Mission accomplished there. He's staying around, but no one knows he's a zombie for some reason. And there was a different zombie they strapped that one girl's boombox to earlier, and our final shot of the movie is him staggering off into the desert as music plays. So and money blows past him as they throw it around there. Yeah, there's I, a possible sequel here. I actually like that shot. I think, uh, obviously, that was well planned it's out. It's nice. Yeah, yeah good job by them. I, I thought it was well done, that final shot there. And we do get some... Some good music going out in the background. Again, nothing I recognize, but they do a good job of hitting the tone for the time in the movie. Oh, 100%. So much about this just screams 80s that you know exactly where you are when you're watching it. Yep. And that's it, man. I don't know. I found this just to be just a fun time. It was lighthearted, no real stakes, laughable dialogue and effects, but overall just like, you know, an enjoyable way to kill 80 minutes. Oh, absolutely. I I have similar feelings to it. I didn't know what to expect going in. Um the quality of the video I watched was slightly lower, but it also made me like sort of harken back to watching on a VHS tape. It sort of felt like that. It's it's hard because I don't do that often. I'm so used to HD quality sound and video and everything. Yeah. It's strange to go back. High and quality transfers. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even the movies that were recorded then, we had so many of the sort of vinegar syndrome stuff or other upgrades that have made them like very, very palatable that that was a little bit hard. Yeah, this well, is, this is not that. This is not that. No, yeah. no. It felt it felt worse because of that. Oh, I feel like it added to it for me. It well, took me back to a time when I'm like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I would expect. Maybe yeah. an enjoyment, but not worse in like how bad it was. Ah, I guess fair if enough. we're getting into our rankings Well, here, and this is a good time to do that. Why don't we head into our rankings right now? The way we always do this, we rank on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And as a goal, as always, is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scales, or as we call it, the Crit 20. And for me, I have to say, it is in play because this low-budget disaster piece is absolutely a 10 bad. Like, nothing about this. The production value is so low. The effects are so shitty. The premise is so laughable. And, like... Despite what I said about this being a fun time, it is just your classic low-budget schlocky movie. So I have this undeniably as a 10 bad. And I'll be honest, I will be stunned if you do not also have it as a 10 bad. What do you think? This is a one bad? No. (laughs) Come on. absurd. It's like fucking Citizen Kane. Yeah. No, this is absolutely a 10 bad. There we go. (laughs) There's no other place to go with it. The acting, not good. Nope. The... Basic plot, yeah, laughable. the plot yeah. laughable, the special effects laughable. <laughs> so shitty, but the music is appropriate, way. but oh, incredibly yes. low budget. Yeah, right. Like it, I felt like somebody on set produced most of that sound, right? And that's okay. It worked. It worked, but it is it is all adding up to definitely a ten out of ten bad for sure. Well, we're in agreement on that. Tell me now, how enjoyable did you have this movie? I enjoyed the ride i thought it was a movie that um i laughed at a lot i thought there were some fun choices i think the idea of the motorcycle gang who are out trying to find others who don't fit in coming in and saving this town full of like prudes who have one like (laughs) they are prudes. yeah a town full of prudes that have like a creepy mortician who's doing all these experiments on them was was hilarious some of the stuff, like the kid going into that room, where I was just it makes like, no sense. what the it fuck? It makes no yeah, sense. There were some yeah. things that were just too out there, but I did have it pretty highly rated. What do you have it? I, I gave it an eight enjoyable. Okay, that's fair. 
So here's my thoughts on this. I already mentioned it was a fun time. I really enjoyed my time with it. I do have three minor complaints. Number one, I wish there had been more action. We get like not a lot for the first half of this movie. There's a lot of teasing of the zombies and it takes a while for them to do anything. I wish that it kind of happened earlier. Now, I love that they built a little bit of character in with the with the cycle slots, but a little more action would have helped. Number two, would it have killed them to give the zombies like some makeup? Like we talked about this already, but there was, there was one guy who kind of stayed in the mind who looked like a little wrinkly, but that was it. Like give them a little something. Even if, <laughs> even if you don't want to go full bore zombie, some of these bodies have been dead presumably for a long time. There should be some decomposition and that a little bit hindered my enjoyment. But three, perhaps most importantly, we talked about this also, no nudity in this movie. You're telling me that in this low-budget movie with no-name actors at the time, you couldn't get one person to pop their top. That was really the only missing piece when I think about how what all good low-budget movies should have. Imagine in the knife and uh, whip fight that both rest had to just come out there. Like in Coffee, when they fight those hookers, the top yeah. came off. Like That's a perfect time to rip it. had been popping yeah. out. Like- had, we had multiple sex scenes. Somebody, take your top off. Yeah, nothing. That sounds a little bad, me saying it in that way, but like, <laughs> seriously, like for what this movie is, if you're trying to make an exploitation, like low budget movie, you got to titillate a little bit. You got to lure people in with some nudity. It's funny. One of the things that I didn't expect to be looking for when we were talking about in rating films was that, right? <laughs> like coming into this whole process, we've, we've gone through over a season and a half now. <laughs> I never uh, expected yeah. that I would be like, you know what? You're right. There wasn't enough breasts in this movie. Yeah. But- it seems like in certain genres of movies that it is a piece that almost needs to be there to meet the needs of the audience. Dude, if you're talking exploitation films, and make no mistake, that's what, like, okay, so trauma films, uh, like, this tends to rely more on comedy than the shock, gore, and nudity that a lot of trauma releases have. But when you're thinking exploitation movie, you naturally think nudity. That's a natural thing. Yeah, and it's funny. I never expected to get there, despite what you have suggested is my, like, affinity for breasts (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't have thought going down this rabbit hole that i would be hoping to see that and you're right this is a movie that could have definitely benefited from that for sure i did there were lots of things i enjoyed though like overall it was a great time every scene with the blind orphans like my god they just popped me every single scene they were in and they said there was no god that kills me i don't know why he says that before if i ever have to shoot a gun in real life i'm 100 percent saying that before i shoot it that part was great. Every sequence of them was tremendous. Um, sort of a sidebar. It's really related to my rating, but the scene where Rox sings was a really weird choice to me. It kind of made me think of like Footloose where Kevin Bacon is dancing his emotions out. Like, to be fair, I guess she was working through some stuff, but what an odd scene. I don't know if maybe this was just they wanted to have a bit of a musical note in the movie. Maybe. Like they were like someone who was like, this works really well, or I've seen other movies around the time. Or maybe it was the actress who was like, if I'm in this movie, you better give me my starring moment. And that was the moment that they decided to give her. Oh, her starring moment is the scene where she's super dramatic about leadership. Like she puts in the best performance in this movie by a hot mile, in my but, opinion. But that's connected to this same bar scene, right? Yeah, like it is. That, yeah, that yeah. whole thing might have been a part of what she envisioned being her... Like, this is going to launch my career. Quite possibly. Uh, either way, uh, I had a really good time with this. Yeah. And so, similar to yourself, I have a high rating for this. I'm giving this a 9 for okay. enjoyable. I was real close to the 20. If they had had a freeze frame at the end, or Ooh. if there had been nudity, I think I would have got there. This was Damn. a great one. I had 8 slash 9 written down. So, I was pretty close as well. I don't think I was in the 10 realm, or I hadn't been there. If there were one or two more uh, sort of, like, blow-up moments, like the 
blind doozy moment or the church explosion or, or some nudity. Maybe a little bit yeah. of nudity wouldn't have hurt. Um, I would have been much closer to that 10 as well, but this was a really good suggestion. It was. Kelly Madden, thank you so much. Really appreciate this. Everyone, check out Drunk Theory if you have not ever heard them before. This was fun, man. There's no other way to put it. Tell me, though, Noel, what did you think about this beer? Oh, my goodness. This zombie surprise beer from Counterparts Brewery was insane, but insane in the most delicious and surprising way. I crushed it in like record time. Oh yeah, I looked over and your glass is empty. I was like, did you pour all that in there? What the fuck? You were done like 10 minutes into this. Yeah, it was like drinking one of the tastiest juices you've ever had in your life. I mean, there are some people who will, um, especially in the beer community, who will talk about smoothie sours as not being beer. Yeah, a lot of debate about this. And to be fair, like it does not resemble it. We're going to put a picture up on our Instagram and uh, Twitter and it just looks like, some kind of juice. It looks, it's yeah. like a smoothie. It doesn't look like beer at all. And it, this is the debate, right? And it does taste that way, and it doesn't necessarily follow the same sort of process that... I mean, it follows similar processes to beer making, but it's not exactly the same, and the ingredients definitely depart. More of the, the juice than others. The cinnamon added an element to it that I didn't expect, but it was definitely predominantly the fruit flavors, and, and I crushed it. I had enough time to open and finish a second beer by Counterpart, which... Also delicious, but dangerously 10%. Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. It was a very sweet, fruity, delicious. I love all their smoothie sours. I've had a few now, and I don't know if it's beer or not. I'm not going to weigh in on that, but I do know it's delicious. And this one was no exception. And yeah, the cinnamon, like you said, really played a prominent role in a good way for me. I love cinnamon. It came in right at the end. Give a little punch on the way out the door. Really enjoyable. Yeah, it was a surprising finish, right? It was very tasty. I have drank a lot of beers from Counterpart, and their IPA um, and ale game is right up there with some of the best I have ever had. So if you ever have the opportunity to go there, do yourself a favor, go get some beer and some food, and it is worth the place hanging out. Uh, yeah, and like you mentioned, right there in Niagara Falls, if you're American and you live in the New York area, come across the border. Check out Counterpart. It's a good time. I really enjoyed this. I also, I much like yourself, I cracked a second counterpart beer in the course of this episode. I enjoyed that one too. It's good shit. Definitely worth uh, enjoying. And speaking of worth enjoying, next week we are going to be talking about the Beastmaster. Oh, shit. So I have never seen this. What, really? It was no. on TV all the time when we were kids. But, but I picture... Just like a strapping muscular man with several beasts by his side looking yeah. to control the universe. This reminds it's like me a of He-Man. Like a, it's a He-Man yes. with animals. Oh, yeah. God. Or I guess yes. more He-Man animals. More animals? Whatever. Fuck. I that. love the sort of fantasy genre, Sword right? Sword yeah. is your, oh that's your sweet spot. Yeah. So this to me sounds like something right up my alley. I'm very excited for this. I have high hopes. That's going to be a good time. That'll be next week. Uh, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any suggestions, feel free to slide into the DMs of our social media or to send us an email at the BMB podcast at gmail.com. That's what Kelly Madden did on Twitter. Hit us up for this episode. And we're so glad to be able to have brought it to you today. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it slutty. <laughs> They're looking for a few good men. <laughs>